What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westerholm, joined tonight by Chris Grenham. We were going to have Nicole Yang on the pod, but she is very understandably exhausted after covering Brady's return to Foxborough. But Grenham and I are going to talk about an even bigger sporting event that happened in the Boston area tonight, which is the Celtics taking on the Orlando Magic, maybe one of the worst teams in the NBA in their preseason opener. The Celtics won 98 to 97 on Romeo Langford's game-winning go-ahead three-pointer. Pretty fun game, at least pretty fun finish. What we're going to do tonight, we're going to go through basically three takeaways apiece to just break down the game. And just like before we get into it, I mean, like overall takeaways, overall impressions, what are some of the biggest picture things? Definitely felt good to be back there watching some hoops. You, Corrales, and I talked about it before the game. It just kind of felt like normal to be back, like walking around by the court and just a little more normalcy. We were there last year a lot, but it wasn't totally normal by any means. So that was nice. This is very obviously the main event in Boston sports over the last couple of days. So it was an honor to be there. It was fun. It was fun. It was a great, it was a great game. And the energy in TD Garden was actually fantastic for a preseason game. I don't know if people just missed hoops or if some of the fans in the building didn't know this game didn't count. I didn't know, but it was pretty lively for a preseason game. I was impressed. I respect it immensely, obviously. It's so loud in there over goofy stuff. It's almost like there's no inhibition at TD Garden to like, okay, it's just a preseason game. We won't cheer so loud. It's like, nah, screw it. Like, it's fun. It's fun to see Romeo Langford hit a three. You know, it's it's a fun place to see people being sports fans. Like, everybody's into it, and that's the way it should be. I respect it. It is the way it should be, because preseason game or not, it's fantastic basketball. Tonight's game was very entertaining, and... I can't not respect it. It's fantastic. It made for a really fun environment tonight. Yeah, I feel the same way. All right, Grenham, do you want to give uh, our, our pals over at the Shades on Beer Company a shout out before we get going here? Yeah, the Geno Time listeners know all about Shades on Beer Company. They're the makers of the Geno Time Stout. They're the makers of plenty of delicious products. Juice Fountain 3, Buffalo Check. You can't really go wrong. And they have their beer garden and tasting room in West Kingston, Rhode Island. So if you're a Celtics fan in the Boston area in Rhode Island, keep an eye out for the Geno Time Stout and all of Shades on Beer Company products. And if you're a Celtics fan in Rhode Island, definitely go check out the beer garden and tasting room in West Kingston. But yeah, shout out our friends over at Shades on. Absolutely. So Grenham, what's your first takeaway? All right, my first takeaway. So I don't know what I'm going to pick here. I'm going to go with Dennis Schroeder, kind of giving the Celtics offense a little bit of a different look than they've had in years past. We talked about it on episodes shortly after he signed, but he's really good at kind of getting into the paint, getting paint touches, getting paint looks. Celtics haven't had a guy that does that consistently like he does in the way he does in the last couple of years. So I think Schroeder, it was pretty obvious through his first couple of possessions tonight that he's going to give them those consistent paint touches. And Boston hasn't had a lot of that in years past. So I think my first takeaway, one of my initial takeaways was, hey, like this is going to change the look of Boston's offense when he's in the game, at least compared to what it's been in years past. It could be nice. I know Corrales talked about him alongside Al Horford and they had some nice stretches during the game tonight, but I think him kind of penetrating and kicking is an interesting look for this team's offense. It definitely is. I enjoy that your first takeaway is the guy who went one for seven with uh, six points. Well, my other option for takeaway was going to be how bad the backcourt as a whole looked, but we'll get into that later. (laughs) Fair enough. It was fun to watch him just kind of operate. One of the problems for the Celtics has been that they haven't always had that consistent penetrating, you know, guard who can get into the teeth of the defense. And and certainly they've, you know, struggled to have veteran presence off the bench, you know, aside from like 
Marcus Smart when he comes off the bench to kind of help things. They haven't sort of had that dynamic guy. And Dennis Schroeder, I think, is going to be very dynamic. Like he, that's definitely something he's going to bring. Not his best game tonight. Certainly, he did finish with four assists, three rebounds, and but you you can just kind of tell. Like you can watch him play and say, okay, I, I know how that guy's going to help a basketball team, and he is he's going to help the Celtics quite a bit. I mean, what a, what a pickup, Brad Stevens move of the summer. It'll be interesting to watch what they look like when he's a little better. Ime Udoka talked after the game about how the Celtics has a whole shot like 35%. He's like, I don't think we're going to shoot 35% again. He's probably right. I think you're right. The Truder is going to be a, a real difference maker. Yeah, I think the two-man game with him and Horford is intriguing when they get in there, kind of rekindle what they had in Atlanta for a little bit. To your point on Udoka, yeah, I hope they don't shoot like that again. I mean, there was at one point, at least I think I had it right in my notes, Tatum and Brown had 28 of the Celtics' first 33 points. Like No one else outside of those guys was producing early on. So it was it felt awfully familiar. Yes, it did. And I think there's going to be some of that <laughs> this season. So definitely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I don't have him on my takeaways. So I'll just note that Jalen Brown played really well and looks yeah. good coming off the wrist injury. He did say that he was 80 to 85% with the wrist. It's weird that he's only 80 to 85% yeah. after all this time off. Like I did think that was somewhat notable, but obviously we just don't know that much about his injury. So I don't want to talk too much about that, but I did want to note to lead into my first takeaway that the Schroeder Horford connection was interesting. And I thought, especially in the early going, those two, I, I mean, I think it was like two or three plays right away mm-hmm. when they both entered the game. Like there, one of them was called a charge on Horford. I thought it was a pretty tough charge call. Yeah. But like those two, I think are going to work nicely together. And my first takeaway was that I think Horford is going to be a real difference maker on this team, especially offensively. You saw it right away when he came in. I mean, the ball was, they created open looks. They didn't always go in, but the ball was just zipping around the court with Horford in the game. When he grabs the ball and brings it up, you feel good about him handling in transition. He didn't, you know, shoot particularly well from three. I don't remember exactly what he finished. Um, You know, yeah, so he was one for four. I remember him being one for four at one point and thinking to myself, hmm, that uh, feels like Philadelphia Al Horford on Unfortunately, but you know, they definitely need him to shoot the three a little bit better than that. Again, I just, the offense is going to flow nicely with Al Horford in the game, I think. And that's, that's, that's such a boost. Ime Udoka after the game said, don't read into the starting lineup. I think he's basically saying, look, I promise you Juancho Hernan Gomez is not going to start. He's dropping a lot of breadcrumbs toward Al Horford starting. He is. And it's just wild to see like last year when they ran the offense for various stretches through Rob, it was fun and he's a good passer and he sees the court pretty well. So it kind of opened things up. But when you get a big like Horford, who like tonight it was apparent for various stretches, he's such a natural playmaker, even at his size. It just helps zip the ball around. And I think that really favors everything that Emo Doka has been talking about in terms of what he wants from this offense. So he is definitely going to be a big difference maker. I think in my mind, I almost undersold how big that acquisition was in being able to a ship off Kemba Walker's contract, but B get someone like Al Horford in return. Like that is pretty big for this team. And I think he fits perfectly into what Emi Odoka is trying to do with this offense. Well, I think that's why you trade the pick with it. That's worth it. I'll take my second takeaway here since this leads into it. You saw the big difference between Horford and Rob tonight. It is that yes, Rob has good vision and he can really pass, but like Horford, you just, you know, you're getting that steady presence who is going to help you move the ball. Who's going to, kind of grease 
the offense and just kind of help everything move, move more fluidly. Rob is just kind of chaos sometimes. And we saw that because this man wants to shoot mid range jumpers so badly and he just should not do it. One, it's not a good shot. Anyway, the mid range jumpers really should just be reserved for your stars. But like more importantly, the whole thing that Rob does on offense is pass the ball and roll to the rim and catch lobs. Those two things are really valuable and could make him a lot of money in the NBA, but they are his bread and butter and he should really stick to them. This whole mid-range thing, like what's the eventual goal? Is he going to stretch out to the three-point line? Like, I don't think that Rob is ever going to be shooting three-pointers. He's just not that guy. So like Yudoka said after the game, you know, we've been teaching him some like, you know, floaters and that type of thing. You know, I think basically like some touch shots is what he was kind of hinting at. But like those mid-range jumpers are just not a good idea. And it's, it's just preseason. So it doesn't really matter that he's hoisting them. Them, as long as he stops hoisting them and starts going to the rim and rolling and you know trying to dunk on people again that's what he does well and when he does that he's really good I think he needs to get back to that yeah I think maybe he sees the preseason as his chance to maybe let a couple mid-range jumpers fly and see they go in maybe he gets an opportunity to shoot more in meaningful games that's not going to happen even if they do go in because that's not what he does well you like you said you look for guys like Jalen Brown to shoot in the mid-range Chris Middleton Gordon Hayward guys who are good in the mid-range and operate in that space. Rob Williams is not that guy. So my hope for the Celtics sake is that he just sees this as a chance to like, screw it. I'm going to try and stretch it out here. They don't need that to be part of his game. That's the thing. Like, hopefully he looks at his line tonight. He's like, oh, seven. Ooh, that was rough. Maybe I shouldn't shoot those anymore. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, we're talking about a guy who shot 70% from the field last year. And that was like a big thing, right? He was like, you know, 70%. That's really good. Oh, for seven is not 70%. Uh, it's the reverse. If you yeah. uh, look at it in terms of numerals, you just kind of know that Horford isn't going, you don't, you aren't going to need to tell Al Horford, don't shoot mid-range jumpers. Right. Like Rob, yes, it's preseason. It doesn't really matter that he was taking all those shots. It's also like, well, those are, those are possessions that did not end in a good shot. Yeah. It's just the preseason, but like, you know, the preseason exists for a reason. You're trying to create good looks. You're trying to build chemistry. You're trying to do things that will then translate to the regular season. And those those shots are not going to translate to the regular season. Don't take those shots regardless. I, I'm with you. And that kind of leads into my next takeaway. Whereas you're trying to work in a new offense with new personnel, new schemes here with a new head coach. Now's not the time to start like trying crap like that. That's just not, <laughs> there's time to place and this is not it. My second takeaway is that I think the offense is going to be a little choppy for stints early on here. Udoka is really emphasizing that pace. He's talked about it on countless occasions. And so it's that rapid ball movement, right? Where you're just flipping it around as fast as possible, where you're either going to put the ball on the floor, you're going to pass, or you're going to shoot. It's like quick decisions, right? It's five point, whatever, whatever he called it. I forget what exactly it was, but there's, I think some adjusting that comes with that, especially for the guys who have been in Brad Stevens system for the last couple of years. You saw Marcus Smart had a couple of turnovers right away in the first quarter. I think Jalen Brown had two or three turnovers tonight. So they finished with with north of 15, maybe 16 turnovers. I think it's going to take a little bit with an upped pace with new personnel comes choppy stints. And I think that's okay. It's important for fans to kind of realize that when they're watching that it's not going to be all that smooth right away because just upping a pace like that with new personnel and stuff isn't the smoothest transition all the time. And so I think that's going to be not accepted by the coaching staff, but it's almost like it's expected at this point. There's going to be a lot of growing pains. It's a, it's a 
franchise that has been really consistent. I don't think they're trying to reinvent the wheel or anything right. like that. You know, I think then these are all professional basketball players, you know. Having a guy like Horford in there makes it easier to kind of work through those things because you have those natural ball movers, which past Celtics teams just haven't had. In this current offense, you get a ball mover like that. It makes it a lot easier. So I'm not saying it's going to be awful early on, but you're right. The growing pains are going to be there. And I think we saw some of that tonight. And that's all right. That's okay. You want me to do my uh, next one? Yeah. Working the snake here. My third and final one is going to relate to what I said before about the backcourt being bad, but Josh Richardson was bad tonight. No crazy overreaction here, but there is a crowded rotation here and he didn't do himself any favors tonight on the offensive end. He did look good defensively. It kind of showed some glimpses of what this backcourt could be on that end of the floor. I think they are going to be a really, really good defensive team, which we kind of knew, but offensively he was one for eight and 20 in 24 minutes, but it just looked really bad. Like it, sometimes it looks forced. He didn't look like he caught any rhythm at all. Who knows? He could hit his stride at some point, but he didn't do himself any favors in game one of the preseason on offense. The backcourt just looked rough. That's that's the concern. That's what it is. And like, that's the area where if this team ends up struggling more than we think they will, um, or at least more than I think they will, it's going to, I'm always agreed with you that it's going to be because of the offense. That's the big issue. And certainly Josh Richardson plays a part in that. And I think to be honest with you, so does Dennis Schroeder. Like Schroeder, can't shoot not can't shoot but you know he's not a shooter maybe Peyton Pritchard isn't completely ready to go maybe Aaron Neesmith isn't completely ready to go you know maybe Romeo Langford isn't going to de- you know develop all these things are possible and that's and that is I think the concerning thing you know the thing that's going to kind of make you sweat is I just don't know how good the backboard is going to be I don't know how good the second unit is going to be most mostly I don't know how good the scoring is going to be that isn't Jalen and Jason so I think that's a legitimate concern yeah, and you can get by against teams like the Magic if you're just riding solely Tatum and Brown. Obviously, regardless of how the backcourt looks, those two guys are going to lead the offense no matter what, but it's just a question of how much you're leaning on them. And if the backcourt is not functioning like you hope they would on offense, then you're going to run into problems against some of the heavy hitters in the NBA because they're going to be able to take either Jalen or Jason out of the game. And you don't have a lot of options if your backcourt's not really operating. So again, first preseason game, I think... That They'll certainly be better than they were tonight. It's just a question of how much better. And that is the main question mark for me entering October 20th, this season opener. Definitely. All right. I have just a, a quick final takeaway here. Basically, I thought it was interesting that Ime Udoka, when he was asked about it after the game, I, it was interesting that he kind of talked about how they are going to try to get Tatum to sort of like post up and play a little bit more bully ball this season. And I, I can see it. I think that could be a nice addition to Tatum's game. He, he already could do some of it. Yudoka talked about how he did like a little bit of it at Team USA and they see him do it in practice all the time. And we did see him go after those, you know, smaller magic defenders. You know, Gary Harris, they're on that one play where Tatum really threw down that like poster dunk on Wendell Carter. That started because he had the smaller Gary Harris on him. You know, Harris has to kind of sell out to prevent him from just shooting right over him. And so he he bites on Tatum's pump fake. Tatum goes right to the hoop and dunks really hard on Wendell Carter. Against smaller players, especially you know, as Tatum gets a little older, as he gets a little stronger, those opportunities are going to be there for him. So I thought that was interesting. I thought it was interesting that they're starting to implement that now. It makes sense. But, you know, the Celtics operated so much last season with Tatum playing in the pick and roll and operating at the top of the key and taking some of those, some of those, you know, sidestep threes and stuff like that. I wonder if the usage of Jason Tatum is going to look a little different with Ime Udoka than it did under Brad Stevens, who really emphasized the three pointers and the layups. Yeah, I think it could. And I agree. I think it's a 
good approach to kind of expand Tatum's game a little bit. There's a lot of teams like Orlando that run a smaller set of wings out there, and that's an ideal matchup for him. You know, you can throw him against a guy like Gary Harris, who's a little bit smaller. Good defender, but there's a size disadvantage there. And standing on the court before the game, we were watching him do this against Matt Reynolds, who's on the Celtics staff, who's much smaller than Gary Harris, but he was working on a lot of those post moves against smaller guys. And it's clear that they're making a point of emphasis to kind of expand Tatum's game in that direction. And I do think it would help quite a bit. And I think it makes sense, especially on this roster where you do have some other options, like a guy like Horford to kind of open things up. Whereas last year, they were just a little bit more limited. So it was tougher to expand and kind of try to stretch Tatum's bag a little bit during the season because you were relying on him with those three-pointers and that sort of thing. So I don't know. I think it's a good development, and I think it'll only help their offense. Well, and the other thing that works in Tatum's favor on that this year is that the Celtics actually have a big who can stretch the floor. Last year, it was like Daniel Tice and Rob Williams. Like, if those guys clear out of the way, their defender's just going to hang out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I would rather have Daniel Tice, you know, shooting a three than Jason Tatum shooting a layup. And to be honest, like, I mean, you know, you'd rather have Al Horford shooting a three than Jason Tatum shooting a layup too, obviously. But I do think that teams respect Al Horford probably a little bit more. And I just think that personnel makes a little bit more sense. And yeah, I mean, again, it's just Tatum's footwork is so good that it makes a lot of sense to kind of use him as that four, as that, as that post-up player. And also it does kind of suggest to me that maybe he will play a little bit more for Maybe he'll, he'll do some of that. Like, you know, the Celtics might run some, some picks and just, you know, have Tatum try to, you know, seal the guy coming around the pick and force the switch and that kind of thing. Like these are all going to be really good options. Jason Tatum, versatile offensive option for the Celtics is one of my takeaways. And I stand by it that Jason Tatum is going to be good at offense this year. All right, guys. Well, I think we can leave it there. As always, we thank everybody for listening and we will be doing this type of format, I think a little bit more often. As always, we appreciate everybody who has left us a rating or a review. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you know where to find us and we will talk to you all again soon.